0: I have been working on this sermon, which I really didn't think I was going to need to do, ever since the day after the election. I've spent a lot of time, as I know many of you have as well, on background reading, reading through the liberal press, reading a little of the conservative press, but who needs to be gloated at, so not a lot of that, I've been looking for helpful perspectives and interesting insights and encouraging recommendations, and I have found a couple of things that I will be sharing with you in hopes that you too will find them to be of use. But mostly, as I have been reading and pondering all this, I have been finding myself more and more worried, more and more disgusted, more and more frightened. I'm finding that I still cannot believe what happened back in November. I think I'm still in shock. The rough beast that I feared might indeed be slouching towards Bethlehem this holiday season is indeed on the march, trampling beneath its elephantine feet every value that I hold and threatening everything that I cherish. I want to hide under my bed. I struggle to wrap my mind around the realization that almost half of the roughly 60% of American voters who bothered to vote chose to vote either for Trump or against Clinton. I know the challenges are being made against the electoral college numbers, but I don't think that any of the recounts are going to change those numbers, and I'm afraid there is no realistic possibility that faithless electors will change their votes and save us from this madness either. I think I could have handled a Republican victory had it been an actual Republican. Although had it been Ted Cruz, maybe not. It's past the election. I can say what I think about our politicians now. I do not know what to make of the sad fact that we, the people, through our wise and careful process of primary eliminations, chose a lying, cheating, bigoted, misogynistic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, homophobic, racist, insensitive, vindictive, humorless, narcissistic con man and sexual predator who has no problem hanging out with white supremacists like the neo-Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan, with Christian hypocrites who clearly never understood a word that the Christ of the Gospels is reported to have said, and with the economic and political elite who swim in the swamp that Trump said he intended to drain. Did I leave anything out? Mm. The results of this election have been the repudiation by fewer than half of the voters of my deepest values and I think ours. Progressive, idealistic values that most of us thought were, were obviously compassionate, just common sense positions, some little things like the First Amendment, the whole Constitution, racial justice, justice and equal rights for all people, for people of color, for women, for members of the LGBTQ population, the disabled, the poor, immigrants for all human beings. The dream of a caring, respectful, accepting, diverse community, a society in which no one need be hungry or homeless or afraid. We thought, many of us, that we really were on our way. Not there yet, by any means, but but making some progress, slow, hard-won, often controversial, sometimes sadly divisive, but progress toward the all-inclusive, beloved community within which, as Josiah Royce, the 19th century religious philosopher who coined that phrase, wrote, there are no strangers in the beloved community none against whom doors are shut and harsh words spoken. For they who belong to it are bound together in one living body, apart from which there is no life. Donald Trump's victory in the electoral college, and those are the votes that ultimately count, ripped the delicate, protective membrane right off of the socially, politically, philosophically liberal and progressive worldview, and showed us something very ugly. What upsets me most about Trump's victory is what it says about the American people. Hillary Clinton spoke of the Trump supporters as a basket of deplorables— A phrase which unfortunately ruffled many conservative feathers and probably did her no good. But I'm sorry if you could overlook Trump's bigotry, his cruelty his narcissism, his dishonesty, his openly acknowledged contempt for Muslims and Mexicans in particular, if you could overlook all of that and vote for him anyway, I'm sorry if you don't like the word, but you are deplorable. I don't care why you chose to vote for him. Trump voters voted, intentionally or not, in favor of white supremacy in denial of climate change, against a woman's right to control her own body in circumstances ranging from sexual harassment to rape to birth control to abortion when necessary to save a woman's life, that's deplorable, to put it very mildly. Some are calling upon those who did not support Donald Trump to get over it to reach out to the Trumpsters, to understand them. But it is not easy. I have been singing Dixie Chicks, I'm not ready to make nice to myself (laughs) all week. I'm not sure I want to understand the Trumpsters. And I'm not sure that we should try to be perfectly honest, judging from the rallies from the number of racist and anti-Semitic and homophobic hate crimes that have been reported to the Southern Poverty Law Center since the election, judging from the increasing incidents reported offhandedly almost, by everyday folk going about their business and being attacked verbally and sometimes physically while being told, in a pleasant, loud tone, variations on the theme of Trump won, whites only, you don't belong here. Judging by all that, a fairly large number of Trump supporters are every bit as vile as their chosen leader. The racist, bigoted, white supremacists among us feel quite empowered by Trump's win. And I feel heartbroken and sick that there are so many. Still, many who voted for Trump insist they are not deplorables. They overlooked the morally loathsome traits that they say they saw as clearly as anyone else because they were hurting or afraid in ways that Trump addressed and the Democratic elite did not. Except for Bernie. Bernie Sanders did hear and acknowledge and respond to the concerns and the fears of the economically threatened middle class of middle America in a way that Clinton failed to do. Bernie could have beaten Trump, and I'm still angry that he was robbed of the chance, but I digress. Had Thanksgiving with my Trump supporting brother and <laughs> lived to tell the tale. It was a remarkably and blessedly calm and respectful conversation. He told me that he was deeply fearful of the influence of radical Islamic terrorism upon the Native American youth in the high school where he teaches in rural Maine. Addiction, unemployment, and crime are the future these kids expect. My brother is hoping that a Trump presidency might make it better. At all events, he sees no way a Trump presidency could make things any worse. I could think of several ways, But the point for the Trump voters in his part of Maine was that the liberals had failed them profoundly. And it was time to try something, anything different. I fear that my brother and others who truly believe that Trump will make things better for the country are in for a most unpleasant surprise. But the fact remains that we are looking at a Trump inauguration in January. I'm thinking I'll have the church open again with uh, candles to light and chocolate for healing and an opportunity (coughs) to sit together and try to ignore what's going on around us as best we can. Uh, We're going to have, I can barely say the words, President Donald Trump. We're going to have a radically right-wing Republican Party in charge of both the House and the Senate. We're going to have an increase in attacks both legal and personal against the rights, against the basic humanity of people of color, non-heterosexuals, women, immigrants, the disabled, and intense pressure to get with the new program A lot is being said about normalizing Trump's beliefs and behaviors. Don't do it. That brings us to my first recommendation for self-defense in the days ahead. Do not allow yourself to accept a new Trumpian normal. It's not normal. Do not surrender your best self in order to get along with the newly energized deplorables who are going to be in charge for a while. I'm pretty sure that most of you are familiar with the Stockholm Syndrome, Uh now more often spoken of as capture bonding. This is the phenomenon which seems to be hardwired into us as part of a survival mechanism that makes it alarmingly easy for human beings to give up their past selves and bond with, identify with, their oppressor, their captor, the ruling strongman and his henchman in a subconscious effort to stay safe. And this tendency seems to be Genetic. In ancient times, before the rise of what we so generously call civilization, small roving tribal bands grew by capturing the members of rival groups. Most often, the men and the children of the victorious enemy were killed. The women had a choice. Switch loyalties fast, or as one writer put it, become breakfast. Those women, and sometimes men and children, those who were able to forget who they had been and able to become who their captors wanted them to be, survived. And in their survival, the capture bonding trait survived as well. Today, almost all of us carry it in our DNA. Be aware of that trait and be alert to how easily it can manifest. If you find yourself starting to accept as normal behaviors and values that would have infuriated you before the election, if you find yourself feeling resigned to the many kinds of damage to health care, to education, to the environment, to international relations, to race relations, to basic human rights, if you find yourself no longer the person you were, you have to fight back against that. It can be done. We're going against hardwired nature. But it has to be done. Do not surrender your best self. My second recommendation for self defense is to beware displaced anger. Emotions are raw for many people right now, and I include myself there. I suspect that's going to be the cause, the, the, the case for quite some time. A lot of us still have a lot of anger inside, and unfortunately, that makes us dangerous to ourselves and to others. We can't do anything about Trump directly, but we can swear at our partners, yell at the kids, pick a fight with a neighbor, shout insults at someone who unintentionally interferes with us. I'm not talking about righteous anger. I'm not talking about the anger that sees or experiences something that is indeed wrong and is outraged and uses that energy to protect, to defend, to work to make things right. I'm talking about anger that may indeed be totally legitimate but has not yet found an appropriate outlet or a peaceful healing. Free-floating anger experienced as irritation, discontent, annoyance with the world at large makes us less kind, less understanding, and less forgiving of injuries real and imagined. So if you feel your muscles tensing for fight or flight, Or if your throat closes up or your breathing becomes tight or labored, be aware of what is happening inside you and take steps to protect yourself and those around you. Take a walk or a run or a bike ride, go to the gym, do push ups or Pilates or yoga, hold a sleepy cat or knit something beautiful. But do something to let your body heal itself by burning off the chemical spills that surround your nerve endings when you are angry. Even a brief burst of anger creates physiological changes that poison the body. And that negative effect can last for hours. So beware displaced anger. Third, do not give in to your fear. Do not let your imagination run ahead of the available data. On any given day, a thousand dreadful things can happen, and most of them won't. I quickly learned when I had cancer that if I wanted to stay sane, I needed not to speculate beyond the facts of what I knew. We cannot effectively deal with what we cannot yet see. We do not know how to change what has not yet happened. Don't let fear stop you from being your best self, from living your own best life, from living out of your best and highest values. Do not give in to fear. And finally, hold on to hope. This is not the hope that was recommended in an old Peanuts cartoon years ago when one of the characters said that hoping to goodness is not theologically sound. This is hope that is active. And whether you express it in prayer or dance or the visible arts or writing or caring for others or participating in the political process, no matter how deeply it may have disappointed you in the past, live your hope. Hope opens us to the possible. It keeps us ready to respond, able to be flexible, to see options, to take risks. There is always another day and another way forward. Hope, which understands that difficult does not mean impossible, shows us the many paths to our goals. And if one path turns out to be blocked, take a different one. If you cannot join the Women's March in Washington or go stand in the river at Standing Rock, you can wear a safety pin be identified to the larger community as someone who does give a damn about the others. Make the commitment that this symbolizes to intervene, to protect, to stand up for what is right whenever you see a need to do so. And if you need a pen, I've got a whole basket of them right here. You can make a weekly phone call to your senators and your congressional representative. Call the local office, not the offices in Washington. They pay far more attention to the local calls, and you might even get to talk to someone. Or send a letter, which is far more effective than an email, although if an email is all you can do, do it. Tell these people what you expect of them. Thank them when they've done something right. That's possible they might occasionally happen. Express your disappointment when they do something that violates your sense of what is just and right and good. These people are supposed to be working for us. We need to work harder to remind them of that fact and to make sure they know what their bosses, their constituents, want We cannot any of us do everything, but remember the words of Unitarian Patriot Edward Everett Hale, who said, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something I can do and if enough of us will do the something that we can do, we can flip the house in 2018. And that will help. <laughs> Remember T.S. Eliot's words In the vacant places, we will build with new bricks. Where the bricks are fallen, we will build with new stone. Where the beams are rotten, we will build with new timbers. Where the word is unspoken, we will build with new speech. The work of creation is never without travail. Do not surrender your best self. Beware displaced anger. Do not give in to fear. Hold on to hope. And hold on to one another. Together we will build the beloved community in a world of true peace and justice and love. So shall it be. Amen. As I extinguish the flame of our congregation's chalice, take this flame, each of you, into the chalice of your own heart. Carry its warmth, its energy, its promise of hope out into the world that desperately needs each and every one of you. Go forth together with courage Determination and your best self intact. Go out and be peace. Blessed be and amen.